0: in John 13 one of the special moments that happened on the night that Jesus was arrested betrayed and handed over with a unfair trial and basically willingly allowed himself to be slaughtered it was on this night that much was taught much was modeled much was captured in scripture so that we would understand The transcendence to the point of the cross, and then ultimately the victory for all of eternity that comes Sunday. This moment happened while at that table. It says in John 13, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. You see, often on this night, we consider one primary vessel. I mean, there's been movies written about this that we want to know is that chalice, that that, that cup that Jesus held up and said, this is, my blood of a new, this is my blood, which is of a new covenant. Much is talked about with that vessel. But there was another vessel that was used that night, and that was the vessel of water. Water that was poured out. And this exchange between Jesus and Peter brings questions to my mind. What does it mean then when Jesus says that unless I wash you, You have no part with me. Peter replies naturally, "Then, then do it all. Wash my head. Wash my hands. Not just my feet. But Jesus says something there and says, Peter, you're already clean. You've already had a bath. You do not need to be washed fully. Just your feet. So there's something about this water that Peter is needing to learn, and tonight as we go about this learning of that evening, we're going to learn more about the significance of both the water and of the blood. So let's prepare our hearts as we continue through on this analogy, considering both vessels, the one with the water and the one with the blood. Peter must have looked stunned. What do you mean (laughs) I've already been bathed? How is it that I'm already clean? What does he mean that it's just the feet? What is he doing that he's the Savior, he's the rabbi, he's the leader, he's the one we saw ushered in like a king earlier this week, and yet now he's behaving like a slave? What does this mean? How is it that Jesus literally is saying, I have washed you. And unless I've washed you, you're not a part of my family. Jesus had already taught them what it meant to be like a vessel that would be poured out. He had said the week before that I will be the one that is poured out upon the sins of the world. They've been hearing these things, but they're not putting it together. So what does water mean in this moment? So Jesus proceeds to wash his feet. Peter is probably extremely uncomfortable. This isn't supposed to be this way. It should be the other way around. But he can't get out of his head unless I wash you. You're not a part of me. So he bends over, washes Peter's feet. Peter's thinking his wheels are turning, having a hard time keeping his mouth that loves to open, keeping it shut. But these words are ringing. This is the part where as I, over the years read this passage, I, like Peter, am questioning. I'm not understanding why Jesus is saying this. But when you start connecting the writings of the New Testament and all that the Holy Spirit inspired, you begin to understand how water and blood go together, especially when it comes to our redemption. Consider what is written in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, and it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great Priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. There's that term again. You have blood and you have water in the same setting. The picture that the writer of Hebrews is bringing up is something that, that the Hebrew reader or, or uh, the Hebrew learner would understand is that he's speaking of the imagery of entering into the most holy of holies in the temple. But they already know that the curtain was torn in two. They've been taught this. But now they're being taught that that new curtain is Jesus by his blood. But in this, it's saying that we have confidence to enter into the full presence of God the incredible majesty of God, we're able to enter it with confidence as this scripture says. And and it's because we have a sincere heart and we have a full assurance of our faith because our hearts have been cleansed, because our hearts have been sprinkled, and because our conscience has been remade, remade and now no longer is guilty because it's been washed with pure water. It's been washed with pure water. So we enter through a curtain that's called blood of Christ. And we can do so because we've been washed with pure water. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11? Where basically it gives you several verses of, of all the different sins that you and I might have committed in our lifetime. And after saying that, you know, we used to be sinners of all kinds... But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We used to be. The long list, if you go into 1 Corinthians 6, you'll see a long list of sins, and we're guilty of at least one, if not many. And he's saying we used to be that because we have been washed with pure water. There it is again. Sanctified, which that term is, the, is, the, is what we get from the, word, the Holy Word, where it's set apart. It's completely made clean, therefore allowed into the presence of an almighty and holy God. We're made to be sanctuaries because of the work of Jesus Christ And how he washed you and I. So again, the connection of Jesus and his spilled blood and what he has done has washed us. So we're made holy by a washing. So Peter is hearing, I have made you clean. It's a washing that has happened. And it's, and it's happening because of the blood I'm about to spill. But, but at this time, Peter's not understanding. There's not a connection how this washing is, is just for the clean, cleaning of that moment. He'd come in with just dirty feet. He wanted to serve him. But he's thinking, no, you need to clean all of me. And Jesus is like, no, I don't. I've already cleaned you. I'm washing you. Keep in mind. This was the first vessel poured out that night. He hadn't gotten to the point where he was going to lift up the new covenant, that blood. So what is the connection then between blood and water? Why is this washing so directly tied to the idea of spilt blood? I think we get it where Revelation ties it all together. And helps us understand exactly what Jesus meant when he said this. Listen to these words found in chapter 7 verse 14 of Revelation and chapter 22 verse 14. It says, who are these people? As John is seeing this this grand, huge army of people in white, he says, who are these people in white robes? And where do they come from? The messenger of the Lord says, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have been washed. They have been washed. Their robes have been washed, and they've been made white by the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those whose robes are washed, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the great city. You see... In the end of time, when all things come to fruition and Jesus is welcoming those who are his own into the final kingdom, it is those who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. The pure water that we have received is purified because of the blood that it was spilt. To become the filter to purify that water. It becomes what we are covered in. It's where we get the terms where it's washed whiter than snow. So I appreciate now as I think through that night when Peter is there and he's experiencing this and trying to put together the pieces in his mind, I can appreciate now the connection of water and blood. Jesus is washing their feet to show service. But in this moment, a teaching is able to happen that unless you are washed, there's no hope. Unless you're washed, there is no anticipation for an eternal inheritance. There is no anticipation for being a part of God's family unless we're washed. And that washing only comes through a spotless lamb, the perfect lamb of God, And his blood spilt. How beautiful is that? So the washed ones literally. It's concluding all of scripture in chapter 22 saying. It is the washed ones. That have the hope for eternity. Those whose robes are white. And ultimately. Those who are in white. Washed by the blood of the lamb. So as we go into this time of remembering Jesus' sacrifice. When we lift up the cup that he lifted up and said, this is my blood. It's a blood of a new covenant shed for you. A once and for all sacrifice that when you take of this cup, remember that now you are washed by the blood of the lamb completely. When we hold that cup up, we show gratitude, we show thankfulness, and we're in awe of the sacrifice of our great Savior. But then when we think of water, as we have the opportunity to practice tonight, as we're pouring water out where maybe you're going to wash someone's feet or perhaps you might be washing someone's hands, you can do one or the other. As you're pouring out the water, remember, you're already clean. It's merely the act of service and the memory of what's been done on our behalf. And now we model that to each other by the way we serve one another. That's the practice of foot washing, as many traditions continue to do. We do on this night to remember. We recognize that it's not comfortable for some people to let their feet be out and accessible, but that's why we allow for the washing of hands. It teaches the same thing, is that we receive the service of another being reminded that we do not need our whole body washed. Christ did that. We just merely get to serve each other as Christ served us and showed his greatest extent of love. And then we participate in the communion table together by serving each other there, where you can come up with a friend, with family members. You can come up singly, and you can come up to one of the four tables that are in this room. There's one here, there's one back there, there's one back there, and one right here. You can come up at any time over the next three songs and participate in communion. And there's a couple of phrases that are important as part of this. The one is about the cup. The cup is the cup of the new covenant. So you, if you hand this to someone, you say, this is my blood, or Christ's blood, which is shed for you. And then when you hand the bread, this is his body, which was lived out for you. So we do those things together. There's the statements. And you just share that with one another as you participate together. But if you choose to go and wash also someone's feet or their hands, you do so out of a servant's heart. Acknowledging that Jesus wanted to show love. That was the motive behind it, is to show the fullest extent of his love by lowering himself to exalt someone else up. That's the meaning. So as we go through these next few moments at your leisure you may choose to go to one of the three washing tables there's two over here and one over here or go to the four, one of the four communion tables and participate in the two vessels that were there that night Let's pray Jesus I am enamored <laughs> I'm blown away by this moment that you had with Peter it's rich as you were teaching him something that he did not have to do for himself but that you were doing for him you were making him clean by the work on the cross your blood was going to be sufficient but you were also modeling that the love we have received is to be paid forward So in this time, Lord, as we remember your sacrifice of the communion through the communion table, that as we serve each other, that we're taking on the love that was expressed that night. If if people go to the washing table, I pray that the love exchange between the people at that at the washing tables, that that there would be a moment of special love being shown where one is being served by the other. Ultimately, Lord, I ask that our hearts will be pricked deeply and that our minds will be provoked significantly to remember how sacrificial, how servant-hearted, and how bold you were that night, but ultimately humble. We appreciate what you did so that we can now learn by practicing with each other so that we would never forget what you have done. We exalt you. We praise you. Oh, Jesus. Amen. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, this was stated. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and that next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the, soldier, uh, the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of both blood and water. The man who saw it has given this testimony, and his testimony is true. These things happened so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, And they will look upon the one they have pierced. Let those be our thoughts. The pierced one is now in waiting for a glorious day come Sunday. So Jesus, we're mindful that this moment was the darkest moment for the world. As all the hope that had been projected upon you to be a conquering king over Rome or to be a victorious king through your influence of words and miracles, they had no idea of the blood and the water that was needed. We needed to be washed And we could only be washed by your blood. I'm so thankful you submitted yourself to the Father's will on our behalf. We now leave this place mindful of your great sacrifice, recognizing that we needed it to become washed. We're excited for Sunday, but for now our hearts contemplate the journey to the cross, and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen.